0: Tēnā Koto, no mai haida mai, welcome to Q&A, I'm Jack Tame. Tonight, National's new leader three days in. A caucus reshuffle and concerns about the government's COVID plan.
1: We don't quibble with the fact that this is a time in our history where money needs to be spent, but they aren't spending it in our view in the right areas.
0: Then, more drought relief has been announced today. Half a million dollars for farmers in Northland and Waikato. But scientists say we all need to conserve water or face some tough choices, such as recycling sewage. It's got the yuck factor, hasn't it? (laughs) Nobody liked that idea at all. But first, to National's new leader. After all the babble and conjecture, National MP Todd Muller rolled Simon Bridges to become the party's new leader just four months before the election. He announced a caucus reshuffle today, which included Amy Adams, who was going to retire, taking up his number three spot as COVID response minister. Todd Muller says the country's focus should now move to how to recover from the biggest economic crisis since World War II. And I began by asking him how National's economic recovery plan differs from the government's.
1: Well, there's elements of that that we've already signalled. Uh, we're particularly focused on the importance of opening up at the greatest uh, uh, pace pro- uh, uh, possible. Uh, our economy, of course, connecting uh, quickly with Australia, and, and in my view, beyond that, uh, we've, we have a particular focus on the importance of supporting businesses to ensure that they actually stay afloat. I Aren't mean, they the doing government announced today uh, support. What's, no, I don't think they are. Far from it. I and mean, Actually, look at the amount of money that they are spending, which is extraordinary. Uh, and we don't quibble with the fact that this is a time in our history where money needs to be spent. But they aren't spending it, in our view, in the right areas. They are more focused on supporting people who have lost their jobs, which is understandable because 1,000 New Zealanders a day are losing their jobs, but they are less focused on keeping those businesses afloat. There's half a million millions of dollars they're spending on the wage
0: subsidy? at the moment. I mean, the the wage subsidy extension alone is $3.2 billion, which is an enormous sum of money the government has directly allocated to support businesses through the next couple of months.
1: And it has helped with the elements of their labour cost, but it hasn't dealt with the wider array of costs that businesses have to confront. And that's why we've been very clear that with our approach we would put cash in the hands of the businesses today, particularly with our GST refund uh, uh, policy. Uh, We also talked about the importance of stimulating new investment, so you get immediate uh, write-down, tax write-off of new new, uh, asset uh, purchases. Mm. Uh, And this is important, you've got to look at a suite of uh, policies that stimulate and resuscitate those half a million businesses, because they are the businesses on your main street, uh, Jack. So the New Zealanders listening, they are the businesses on their main street.
0: To be clear, you say that spending money at the moment is really important. Would you be spending more or less than the Labor-led government?
1: I think we'd be spending money. I think that the the debate over whether the debt in... uh, well, the, the point is that we'd be spending money. I'm not going to quibble over whether it should be more
0: or less. Oh, the issue is, is really the quality of the spending. You've you pointed out so that, that you have concerns with, with what is surely going to be staggering debt. We're, we're staring down the barrel of perhaps 53% debt as a percentage of GDP, $170 billion. So, so tell me, if you, if you were so clear on National's plan, would you be spending more or less than the current government?
1: This government has said that they are spending a a certain amount over the next few months including 20 billion which they have no idea of yet with no specificity of where they're going to spend it. Our issue is not the amount that they are spending right now, our issue is the quality of the spending. And and I think this is a very important point because this is not not a time for austerity. Nobody is arguing that that is the right uh, course for New Zealand. What counts now is actually putting money in in the pockets of small business, those half a million small businesses that are down on, the, it basically smashed in my opinion. If you go and talk to them, as I have in Papamoa and other parts of, sure. the, of the country, we have a, a crisis in this country and we've got to be able to get those small businesses back on their feet, Jack, because they're the beating heart of no, the New Zealand economy. No one, one is economy. denying that. No one is they're denying your, that we, d- we need bridges. to have business
0: up and going as quickly as possible. But I'm asking for some specificity here. You have criticised the government with that $20 billion they've allocated over the next four years in the ongoing COVID response. You've criticised no, them for not... No, for not having sufficient detail. Just just let me finish. You've criticised them for not having sufficient detail, but you can't even tell me if you would be spending more or less. How's that for detail?
1: Well, they have said they're going to spend $20 billion over the next uh, uh, three months with absolutely no detail. The team that I've announced today, which is
0: uh, phenomenal, So where's your frankly, detail, though? So, uh, sorry, you know, this Amy is Amy really Adams important. Coming back. We'll get into your team soon. This is really important. You, you are criticising this government. You say you don't want to do opposition for opposition's sake. You're criticising this government for a lack of detail mm-hmm. around that spend, but you can't even tell me if you would spend yes. more or less. I mean, that surely is an even greater lack of detail.
1: Well, the question is not how much you're going to spend. The question is what you spend it on and whether it makes a difference for New Zealand families and communities. Because that is what we're focused on, it's the economy in communities of New Zealand. And my critique of the government, and you're right, I'm not going to critique everything just for the sake of critiquing Jack, but my critique of the government is their focus has been on the wage subsidy, which is fine, Mm. uh, but they have not put a coherent uh, strategy in place to support the half a million small businesses, many of whom will be listening tonight, Mm. who know that they're completely up against the wall. How, and how this you... go- my, my government that I will lead will have a comprehensive economic plan for them and my team, of which uh, Amy Adams is a key part of it, uh, uh, yeah, Paul okay, Goldsmith okay, is a we'll key get to part you, we'll of get it, get we've got, got phenomenal talent. I know. Um,
0: we'll get to your team very shortly. So, so, so you say that you will release more detail as to your economic plans. You're criticising the government for a lack of detail at the moment. Yes. But you can't give us any more detail. How would you get the books back in order once we, once we face the staggering debt which you accept? is inevitable given the circumstances. How do we get the books back in order?
1: by creating an economic recovery that's real in the communities of New Zealand. Because our approach is that particularly, and you saw this at the last time this country was under a great economic uh, uh, crisis and the global financial crisis in particular, is that we put a suite of policies together that helped New Zealand rebuild. We didn't need to lift taxes, we focused on creating the conditions for the wealth to be created. This is very different. It's still relevant.
0: You can't lean on the the, the same levers as 2008 in the same way, can you? to dairy intensification, uh, immigration numbers which uh, exploded under that national government. Are those the measures that you are relying upon for economic growth off the back of COVID-19?
1: No, the economic measures is what you'd expect it to be. Innovation, investing in our people, uh, investing in a culture of risk-taking and entrepreneurship, giving people the confidence that they can have a go. That's the National Party story. That's who we are as MPs. We come from that tradition. We come from the economy of our communities and we will have a plan in place, Jack, that will resonate for New Zealand. They will see it, they will relate to it, and they'll go, that party, as they always have been, is the party we turn to when we need to rebuild. Ask uh, and I believe believe will That is going plan, to be a core distinction between you, the government and ourselves. Will
0: your plan include the opening up of oil and gas exploration again?
1: Uh, that is absolutely National Party policy, and I have uh, uh, no issue with it. And the so reason that I don't the ban. Uh, is the same. Uh, yes, and that's the National Party okay. policy, and it has always been the National Policy. Will and you and increase i tell, and any I tell taxes? you why. And you and I have traversed this. Uh, We've made it very clear. We do not see that tax increases needs to be the pathway forward here. We've recovered before with uh, investing in the right area.
0: Superannuation stays the same. Will you uh, stand by your previous leader and Bill English's commitment to increasing the age of superannuation to 67?
1: That's the National Party policy. I see no reason to change that. But I do make this point, uh, and it's a more broad one, and people uh, I'm sure will understand, is that I'm not going to go through every single policy that we've had in the last uh, five years saying, will it change, will it not? Uh, The whole country's come through a crisis, the scale of which we've never seen before. We now, all of us, families, businesses, community Mm. groups, we're all having to look at the reality of the new New Zealand and work out what now should our priorities be. The same thing applies in a National Party context. That's why I'm so delighted that. Amy Adams in particular, I've been able to keep back a huge talent in the Parliament not just in our party, who will be able to drive some of the thinking in terms of a whole of government response. It is the sort of thing you'd expect from a national party.
0: You say that, uh, you've said already that infrastructure investment and good infrastructure investment is going to be a key uh, element in our economic recovery. Will you commit to moving Auckland's port?
1: Uh, that will be part of our consideration. I know there's some, you know, quite a wide array of debate on that, but I tell you a, where, a key where do you point. Stand? We will be a... Uh, my personal view is that I think there are um, elements of the Auckland port that will end up being uh, displaced in other parts, be it Port of Tauranga, where I'm from, or maybe uh, up further up north. What are those elements? Uh, but it's fair enough to have a, a consideration about
0: it. Sorry? What are those elements?
1: Well, I think the reality of a growing city. I think the reality of a port that needs to grow at the capacity that we need it to do I think you can see uh, an efficiency uh, that is expected of ports to be competitive globally so you're and about I think freight you need do- to look uh, is fr- is quite sensibly move?
0: Do, you, do you support moving freight I know that you will support keeping keeping cruise ships if they ever return you will support keeping that at Auckland port yeah. but would you do you support moving yep. freight operations from Auckland port to either Tauranga or Northland
1: I think these are issues that are yet to be uh, uh, landed on from our uh, side. I'm still, still yet to work through it at that point of detail, but I tell you something that I see is that with these infrastructure-type uh, issues, you've got to be uh, very clear around what the benefit you're going to get over the next 20, 30 years and be bold. I mean, I have a strong view around the value of water storage. I've said it to you when we've talked in a climate change uh, context before. Mm. I have a strong view that the New Zealand economy needs to decarbonise over the next 20 or 30 years, and I think that is not uh, in opposition to uh, capturing. Natural gas, which can assist other no. countries to be able to reduce how, their emissions profile, would we've got de- to be strategic and bold.
0: How would you describe your? Sorry to interrupt. But I've just got so much to get through. Of course, um, how would you describe your relationship with Winston Peters?
1: Oh look, I've known Winston for a long time, uh, and uh, uh, his personality was the same then as it is now. Uh, and uh, look, he's a great character around this place, and uh, uh, you know, it seems to defy uh,
0: defy age and defy the odds. Have you, have you spoken to him since Friday? No, no, no. When, I was, I the, when was the last time you had a whiskey with Winston?
1: Oh, that would be sometime in the last year or two. I can't remember exactly. I'm not, I just can't remember. He's you can a great, see what I'm getting He's at. entertaining character. Yeah,
0: yeah, he is very entertaining, of course, but yeah, you can I see can. what I'm getting at yeah. here. What is your yeah. personal yeah. position? And I know that the caucus has had a position, but what is your personal position? Are you personally open to working with Winston Peters after the election? Just be straight with us.
1: I am being straight with you, and that is that it's a caucus uh, position, and nothing has changed. Uh, and if it does change in the future, you'll be the first to know. Uh, but there's no sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, mm. sort of subtle sort of change there. I made it very clear. Our caucus position is quite clear. It's been clear. I've said that uh, that's what like it is. It sounds like you have the door course, slightly ajar you know, to, if jar, to deal. Between now and the election, I'll tell you about it. So things What's could change.
0: That? Things could change. It sounds like you're leaving the door slightly ajar
1: that 's your interpretation of it Jack I've just mm. said that our caucus position is very clear
0: uh, you talked us through um, your your restructure and um, and your shadow cabinet no one in your top twelve mm. is is Maori. Why is that
1: uh, well I, I look at it through the shadow cabinet, which is the top 20 and I'd have to say uh, that uh, um, Shane Retty is a, extraordinary and uh, uh, you what Note that name, Dr. Shane Reti. He's I mean, You've, got, you've gone Fomare. from having, you've He's gone a from having the leader
0: and the deputy leader of the party, uh, Maori MPs, and now your your highest ranked Maori MP mm. is at 13. So, so why do you not have any Maori MPs, be it Shane Reti or any others, higher on the list?
1: Well it's a party of uh, a broad church of talent and capability and to be honest when I looked at pulling together my team Mm. I'm looking at it through the lens of who I would like to do, what job and how collectively that can sum to a plan for New Zealand that captures New Zealand's uh, uh, inspiration and confidence and hope that actually there's a party that can put a a pathway forward that means that my job security and family security is improved. I don't look at it through that lens. I'm telling you that Shane Retty is a remarkable New Zealander who happens also to be Māori and I guarantee you will know and hear and respect that name uh, over time as he uh, uh, flourishes as a uh, a, a, uh, shadow cabinet uh, uh, in my
0: uh, 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 ministry. That is Nationals new leader, Todd Muller. We'll get our panellists in for their thoughts on Todd Muller next and then staff has a new owner. Does that mean that Kiwis should expect to pay more for news?
2: I think you know inevitably that kind of direct reader support has got to be a strong part of any news media's future.
1: focus has been on the wage subsidy, which is fine, uh, but they have not put a coherent uh, strategy in place to support the half a million small businesses, many of whom will be listening tonight, who know that they're completely up against the wall.
0: That is Nationals leader Todd Muller. Let's go straight to our panel, Laila Hara, unionist and former MP, and Ben Thomas, former national political staff and our public relations consultant. First of all, is anyone working for Todd Muller? <laughs> Just <listen> to that. <laughs> no? Okay. Um, yeah, we were sitting in the same seats a week ago and how things have changed in the space of a week. Ben, is this move a game changer?
3: I think it's a game changer in the way that we discussed last week. The phone was off the hook to the national leader uh, with the public, um, You know, as we saw in those disastrous polls, frankly, for national. Um, But this isn't the only game-changer. You know, Todd Muller, that probably wasn't his best interview that he's done in the previous four days. Uh, But he's looked reasonably assured, uh, pretty comfortable in the role, doesn't seem overwhelmed. Um, And, you know, what else has changed since those polls were conducted? Um, You know, about 2,000 more layoffs have been announced. Um, you know, we saw uh, a, one media company cut an eighth of its workforce today. Um, so, look, <laughs> the game is changing all the time right now.
0: Mm. What do you think, Lila?
4: Well, I agree with that, but I don't think this changes the kind of bigger picture in terms of public response to the government who they are looking to for leadership and who are providing the leadership. I mean, in that entire interview, we heard many times that it's not about how much money you spend, but the quality of the spend. And yet Mr Muller wasn't able to name a single government initiative that he felt was misplaced. In fact, you know, he kept referring to the wage subsidy and kept qualifying that by saying... But that's cool, that's fine, that's okay. So there is no clarity at all coming from the National Party as to what an alternative to the government's approach might look like. It's
0: interesting, though, isn't it? Because the nature of this coronavirus is that... Things change every day. Can anyone with any surety say exactly what the the global economic picture is going to be in six weeks' time? I'm, I'm not sure that they necessarily can. And I suppose for both major political parties, when they're trying to formulate an economic plan, it's difficult to come out with anything
3: too sure, Ben. Well, this is right. Uh, Todd Muller kept referring to the $20 billion that the government's put aside in the budget. Um, The government doesn't know how it's spending that $20 billion yet. So it's hard to put up an alternative case and say yes or no to its proposals. And it would be irresponsible for the government
0: not to have at least some money put aside, whether or not 20 billion is
3: the correct figure. Absolutely, and that's because, you know, we can't tell what's happening. You know, three months ago we were all planning our overseas holidays for the end of the year. Everything is changing so fast. I, I think Mueller can probably be excused for not having you know every line item uh, allocated for National's economic plan.
4: But the, this, I think, is precisely why there won't be a public mood for a change in government this time. I mean, why when you're navigating these sort of tiny currents, you know, the occasional big wave, the whole complexity of the public health response as well as all the details of the sort of the extent Mm. to which the government can help at the economic level. I don't think that people would suddenly go let's kind of change the the captain except on the that, ship. Except and that we
0: haven't hit the. I mean, that we've 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 hopefully navigated the worst of the health crisis. We haven't hit the worst of the economic crisis. I mean, realistically, in two months' time, we might be steering down the barrel of ten no, percent unemployment. But,
4: but people are dealing with. You know, small decisions continuously every day and I think that the public can see that with the government in Mm. hyper-communication mode and I don't see that changing. I mean, today we had the release of a new policy for people who lose their jobs over this period. All these kind of incremental, small, responsive changes are... I don't think going to encourage people to decide they want a whole new Mm. system of management over this sort of critical period. And we are still in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, we're fortunate to have, have dodged the bullet. And, you know, I think there's an appreciation that we've dodged the bullet to date. But, you know, we're not going to be opening up to the rest of the world anytime soon. And, you know, however much Todd Muller might be fantasising about that, you know, he just throws away this line that we need to to open up, not just to Australia, but much more widely and much more quickly. I think that will be making a lot of people feel pretty anxious.
3: I think this raft of small decisions that you're talking about, is a risk for the government. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, you know, eight nine weeks, everything's been focused on you know the A team, Jacinda Ardern, Grant Robertson, who have performed you know extremely well. They're by far the cream of the crop of this government. Unfortunately, probably for the government now, you're coming into an area where those different ministers are starting to assume you know will be more prominent in their portfolios as part of the response. This brings people like Phil Twyford back into play. It brings people like David Clark back into play. And, you know, as we've heard from National, they're putting a great deal of stock in the idea that, you know, you know, a, a champion team beats a team of champions. Well,
4: I know this and... <laughs> is a kind of orchestrated move on, you know, for the, for the National Party and for the cheerleaders for National to suggest it's kind of not leader versus leader because they know they've thoroughly lost that that despite the leadership change but team versus team and yet there's no evidence to support. i mean can you think of one kind of memorable achievement of michael woodhouse even amy adams nikki kaye these are their heavy hitters in the nine years of National, I'm sure government. They would I can't say, think of I'm, one. I'm sure that they would say, that "Well, that a,
3: a, a, Amy Adams, that for instance, helped oversee a the UFB rollout, I can, I can as ab- which is a huge infrastructure achievement." But, but as opposed to say, Kiwi Build, which has no houses built. As opposed to light rail, which was no promised to be finished by next year, which hasn't even got a shovel in the ground. No one can understand anyone. I mean, I'm
0: sure what National will do is look back at those periods and say, "What they delivered was a period of." of sustained economic growth and that's what they will pitch I'm sure going into September but let's take a closer look at some of those some of those ministerial lineups curious I thought to um, notice in the national uh, caucus reshuffle today uh, Judith Collins in at number four which (laughs) means she'll be back up against Phil Twyford Um, and Amy Adams is back what should we make of that Ben?
3: Uh, I think we can assume that she had second thoughts about her retirement and maybe that given a certain set of circumstances, a change in leadership, she was willing to sort of prolong her career. Um, I assume that, you know, that would be in exchange for a pretty meaty portfolio, which the COVID-19 recovery, whatever Mm. that entails, you know, certainly sounds like. Yeah, what do you think?
4: I think she's taking one for the team. She, She needs to be there for the kind of the look of the team, um, the fact that she is a respected liberal um, member, a bit of a counter to Todd Muller's kind of social conservatism. I think many of us, and I speak for myself, felt really gratified by her speech in Parliament during the abortion law reform debate recently. And I can well imagine that she's, you know, holding mm. holding the front for the team. I think it will be very unlikely that she'll last very long after the election. Um, you know, given that, in my view, they don't have a bolter's chance of forming a mm. government this year.
0: Um, what do you make of the fact that there are, by my by my estimation, at the very least, no no Māori MPs in the top twelve of Nationals' list? Is that is that significant? Of
4: course, it's significant. I mean, the whole front kind of line-up looks like they've had a bit of an accident with the bleach.
0: Lila, Ben, what do you think?
3: Well, if you you take out Winston Peters, who's from another party, uh, you're pretty much just left with Kelvin Davis, uh, you know, in cabinet in that top Mm. 12. You've got
4: Carmel Spolone, you have...
3: A I, diversity no, no, I, I of people well. in, the, so, in the
4: government administration who... It, it's, it's
3: not a great look for a modern political diversity. party. And I think that National will have to be pretty canny about their yeah. recruitment yeah. Uh, for the 2020 election to redress those numbers. All right. Thank you both.
0: The panel will be back a little later in the programme. And then, Anna, what have you planned for us on tonight? Well, Jack, the Level 2 rules on crowds are about to be relaxed. How social gatherings are set to change with some new limits. Job losses turned to job seekers. More money's announced as the economic downturn starts to bite. Plus how one little tourist town plans to woo the locals heading into winter. And the TikTok sensation from South Auckland getting some big names dancing to his beats. Join us for all that in tomorrow's weather at 10.25. Go, Anna. Core Ed Mai, send us your thoughts. We're on Twitter at NZQA. You can post on Facebook or email us at QA at TVNZ.co.nz. Up next, sold for the price of a K-bar. Stuff is back in local ownership. But what's next for one of our biggest media companies? And farmers are suffering through one of our worst droughts. Next, scientists warn we all need to conserve water.
5: It's a long-term prospect, and if we want it to be right in 30 years' time, I think we'd better be working on it right now.
0: Kia ora welcome back to Q&A. New Zealand media company Stuff has been snapped up by its own CEO. Sinead Boucher announced today that for the sum of just $1, she will buy the publisher from its Australian owners – It's a bold move in a tough media environment. And I asked her why she did it.
2: I've worked at Stuff for a long time. I started off my career at the press in Christchurch as a young reporter. And um, the opportunity came up to um, buy stuff from our Australian owners and to bring it into local New Zealand ownership. And I thought that was too good a chance to pass up.
0: How will the ownership model actually work? Are there other investors who are involved?
2: So at the moment, it is just me. Um, I haven't brought any other investors in or have any other backers involved. Um, but now that I've acquired the company, the next stage is to um, work out an ownership model that's going to um, give our staff a direct stake in the company mm. and then sort of leave you know, open the potential for us to bring in other investors or partners in future, depending on what we want to do.
0: From your projections, Do you need resources to invest in the business and to pay off debt?
2: Well, we aren't carrying any debt, which is a great asset, obviously. And I think that will be um, determined by the scale of our ambitions, really, the sorts of things we want to do, and um, you know, maybe expand into. Mm. Um, we don't need investment to pay our bills at the moment or pay our wages. Um, but we've been working really hard to come through the COVID crisis, like everybody else. And now that lockdown is finished, our advertising revenues are starting to pick up a bit again, um, and we have a chance now to sit down and really think about what it is we want to do and become in the future.
0: Just to be really clear then, how does the staff-supported model actually work?
2: Um, Well, that's something that's still to be worked out. This deal um, has only really been put together over the last couple of weeks and it's been a real rush to sort of get it done. Mm -hmm. It was only signed at midnight last night. So now that we have acquired the company, the next step now is I will be speaking to um, people who have already... Implemented these kind of models in their own companies or have experienced sort of putting this sort of structure in place so that we can, you know, hopefully before too long roll something out where staff can get that, have a stake in our future, um, a direct stake, and, you know, we'll go from there. But I don't know yet exactly how that's going to work or what it'll look
0: like. Staff publishes the likes of uh, the press and the Dominion Post, but also some smaller mastheads around the country. I think of the likes of the Nelson Mail, the Timaru Herald. Are all of your newspapers safe?
2: Well, all of our newspapers have been strong and profitable coming into the COVID crisis. I mean, we were lucky we were in quite a good position after our first half of the financial year. But like everybody else, um, our businesses have been hugely disrupted. Um, All of the advertising that supports our business um, virtually dried up, not surprisingly, given everybody else's businesses were sort of coming to a close as well. Um, So as we're kind of coming out of that now, we can see... Advertising picking up again And we will, you know, hopefully Be build, building back up to the levels we had Before lockdown On the flip side, we have never had more demand um, From our mm-hmm. audiences For the journalism and our content Like with record demand And we've seen that in our newspapers as well With um, growth in subscriptions Which the first time in a long time That we could say we've seen any growth in newspaper subscriptions So I think mm-hmm. it's been really Heartening to see that when People really need good quality information and local news that they um, have come to rely on our newspapers and our websites and the work Mm. that our journalists have been providing.
0: That being said obviously there have been some significant cuts in New Zealand media companies over the last couple of weeks. Of course I'm thinking of our colleagues at MediaWorks today. Can you rule out Mm. redundancies?
2: I think you know we've been able to bring the company into New Zealand ownership and I think that gives us a great opportunity to re-energise the company and to do different things but it doesn't necessarily solve all of the overarching issues um, that media have been facing over the last several years as we've moved into a much more digital world and the advertising model has been fragmented with more of that sort of revenue going into the global platforms. Um, So, you know, I've told my staff today and I've told them before that we can never rule out those kind of changes in the future all we can do is our best to sort of develop the kind of business that will be strong and sustainable and allow us to, you know, keep a strong and sustainable uh, foundation for New Zealand journalism.
0: Do you think a strong and sustainable business will inevitably involve a paywall? Well,
2: I think. All around the world and, you know, locally as well, we've seen a shift um, in media companies um, to start to seek direct funding from their readers for their digital properties. Um, You know, the New Zealand Herald here Mm. has a paywall. Many companies around the world have done that. And we... You know, the early weeks of the um, lockdown moved to launch a stuff Supporters programme which allowed our readers to make a voluntary contribution, uh, much in the way that The Guardian and Newsroom, among others, do, um, either one-off or a a monthly donation. And we've been been really pleased with the way that that has um, progressed and the sort of um, support that we've had through that. Uh, But I think, you know, inevitably that kind of direct reader support has got to be a strong part of any news media's future.
0: Does stuff need more assistance from the government in order to thrive?
2: I think we've been, um, you know, quite open with the government, as have the other media companies here, about the challenges that we face, and this is even before we went into the COVID crisis. Mm. Um, You know, obviously, one of the big challenges for us um, is around the competition we face against the likes of Facebook, where, you know, they have built businesses off the back of the content that's produced by news organisations like ours, um, yet... They pay very little tax, um, they're not regulated the same mm. um, and we would really like to see a more even playing field there. That is definitely one area that the government could assist us on and we're watching really closely the moves that are happening in Australia at the moment with the Australian government and the ACCC are moving to try and um, you know, force the platforms there to contribute mm. back some money to a fund that would then go back to pay the producers of local news. Um, elsewhere, you know, the government here has signalled that it will be um, rolling out some um, sorts of funding or support designed to help journalism in New Zealand um, flourish. And so we're hoping that won't be too far away and looking forward to hearing what it will be.
0: I don't suppose you're tempted at offering a dollar for TV3 or any of the Bauer magazine titles? <laughs>
2: Um, I'm quite focused on just having one company right now. Thank you very much. (laughs) But um, I think, you know, we've one of the the sort of part of the history of stuff is that we look at stuff as not just a publishing site, but as a platform for other Mm. people to be able to put their content on, TVNZ included, and help reach a different audience so, you know, we have good relationships with all the other companies and many of them do use stuff to um, publish or broadcast their own content, so hopefully if some of those Bauer titles um, find loving new owners, that they um, may wish to partner with us to, um, to share our digital Platform.
0: That's stuff's chief executive and soon to be owner Sinead Boucher. Up next on Q&A we have so much water but it's all in the wrong place. As farmers struggle with one of our worst droughts in history, experts explain how the way we use water will have to change. Hōki mai anō. welcome back to Q&A. A few days of rain has been welcomed into Taitokoro Northland. Auckland and Hawke's Bay. But Niwa scientists say all of those regions need a bigger deluge to turn around their respective droughts. The demand for water is set to increase in the future, but so too are these long periods of dry weather. So, how do we get people to conserve water? Would charging directly for water help? Fina Owen put those questions to the experts.
6: A rainy day in Auckland this afternoon, but is it enough? Nope. Auckland University climatologist, Dr Anthony Farler.
7: Well, I'm getting wet here, but I, I do think we still have a crisis. It, it, coming, not quite here yet, in my view. I think we maybe have uh, overhyped it a little bit. Uh, this is what was planned for, that occasionally you would run out of water. But to me, the big question, as I said before, is what about climate change? Have, has climate changed so much that, in fact, the, uh, the water planning is actually wrong at the moment? and that we're actually sensitive to um, uh, maybe more frequent crises than we might be anticipating.
6: One of the more conservative scenarios put forward by our climate change scientists is that by the middle of this century, most parts of New Zealand will spend 35 more days on average a year in drought. On top of that, our demand for water is increasing.
5: This is creeping up on us, you might say, but give it another 20 or 30 years and things could be quite different and infrastructure for things like water storage takes decades to plan and build and then it's going to be there for 50 to 100 years so it's a a long-term prospect and if we want it to be right in 30 years time I think we'd better be working on it right now.
6: The irony is that New Zealand has an abundance of water, miles of rivers and streams, lakes, 200 aquifers and a relatively high rainfall especially on the west coast and Fiordland where the average rainfall is 8,000 millimetres but in some places up to 13,000, that's 13 metres of rain and an average of 200 rain days a year.
5: So all you need to do is put a big pipe through the Southern Alps and, and, and everything's sorted. Uh, I wish it was that simple and well I suppose you could do that. The west coast of the South Island Fiordland just near the Southern Alps, some of the wettest places in the world, actually. Well, I guess those, that sort of water harvesting in that regard has,
7: has merit, and there has been talk in the past about water tankers taking water to the Middle East, but it always falls down on the cost. You need an enormous infrastructure to be able to move water um, across mountains and so on, and it's not like we really can do that, so I would say no.
5: This is where the water from the Mediterranean enters the plant.
6: For an island nation, desalination may seem like an obvious solution. It's transformed water supply in places like Israel and Western Australia.
7: I wouldn't recommend desalination unless you have to do it. It's expensive, it's got um, ecological implications as well. Um, I would say our best bet would probably be to take water from the Waikato when it was in flood or in high flow where you're not competing with other users and
6: somehow store that. Western Australia is also a leader in converting sewage and wastewater to drinking water.
7: Well, it's got the yuck factor, hasn't it? (laughs) Nobody liked that idea at all. Um, Yeah, it could be done. Um, It certainly could be done for non-potable or um, non-drinking applications. And the thing about about water is that 30% of it we flush down the toilet or use on the garden. We don't drink it. So we don't need necessarily pristine quality water for everything we do.
6: But perhaps Aucklanders should get used to the idea of drinking recycled water like many cities do. As Watercare recently indicated, it's not a matter of if, but when. In the meantime, we're told water conservation, countrywide, needs to become more second nature
7: to treasure it, uh, to use it sparingly, and, and the one way of doing that is, is the fact that we pay for it. So Aucklanders are actually uh, use a lot less water than most places in New Zealand because we pay for our water. In
6: 2017, central Hawke's Bay farmers lost the opportunity to build their Ruataniwha dam, but work will begin soon on three large reservoirs in Northland, all backed by the Provincial Growth Fund. <laughs> With issues around water supply, allocation and quality becoming more critical every year, does it deserve to be managed at the highest level?
5: A ministry of Water? Absolutely.
7: I'm not really a, a fan of proliferating ministries and, and organisations, but if that's what it takes to bring this higher up the um, uh, the political agenda, then yes, it probably is a good idea.
6: As the rain comes down at Victoria University... Dr. James Renwick concedes there are uncertainties about the rate of change expected in New Zealand's climate.
5: We could be caught out by quite significant changes that accumulate over the next 20 or so years. So I would just, I guess, like to say that we need to be adapting more and planning more for the changes that are already underway, because if we leave it too much longer, we're going to be in serious trouble.
0: The wonderful Fina Owen with that report. I'm back with the panel after the break and we'll have your feedback as well. (music) Kia ora, welcome back to Q&A and our panel, Ben Thomas, Laila Haro. Ben, I want to ask you about Winston Peters. Is having Todd Muller in the top job for National improving uh, the prospects of having a New Zealand first national coalition in five months' time?
3: I think it's improved the prospects on when Simon Bridges was the leader you know with that long sort of enmity going Mm. back to the 2008 election when Bridges beat Peters Uh, you know Peters has been in the game a long time and has a very very long memory Um, he hasn't totally shut the door on it. It's another one of those issues where he said the current policy is uh, that we're not going into coalition but with the first. But they get along. First. Todd Muller and Winston Peters get along. Yeah, on a personal level, they get along. Look, uh, Muller worked for Jim Bolger, you know, who went into mm. coalition with Winston Peters eventually. Um... You know, I I think it's one of these things where we'll have to keep a watching brief. Because remember, New Zealand First is not a particularly liberal or progressive caucus. Um, There are a lot of New Zealand First members who would be much more at home in coalition with National than with Labour.
0: Lila, what do you think?
4: Um, I think I said last week that um, the current state of New Zealand First and the polls really means they need to reflect on their sort of long-term survival. And where their politics best sit. Because, mm. I mean, I, I just can't see any prospect of a post Winston New Zealand first. Um, given that, in my view, also the prospects of National being anywhere mm. near um, able to form a government at this election are minute, then. That doesn't necessarily change the calculation for them, that killing off New Zealand first and holding on to that Mm. that few percent of votes for national is probably better for them at this point. Mm. They don't have a kind of long-term strategy for a coalition partner, um, but the long-term strategy is not going to be New Zealand first ultimately, Mm. and they're looking at at least another election, Mm. if not two. Uh, before they'll be in a position to form a government.
0: OK, I want to ask you uh, about the new assistance package that the government announced today, payments of up to $490 a week for people who have lost their job as a, resp- uh, as a, as a result of COVID-19. Here's the Minister for Social Development, Carmel Sepuloni, with her announcement. It's designed to give people breathing space so they have time to seek new employment. It eases the pressure on people to adjust to their new financial circumstances, See, this is interesting, isn't it, Lila? And I'll, I'll begin with you here. Why should people who have lost their job as a response to COVID-19 get more money than people on the job seeker benefit?
4: Um, I think the, that that's not the question, actually. Well, I mean, obviously that's a legitimate question and there's been quite a hostile response from quite a lot of the left um, on the announcement today. The pandemic kind of package, as I see it, is... a a response package, is a response to things that have changed as a result of the pandemic. So the idea that you um, give people some sort of dignified security as, as they're affected by that directly, I think, is pretty sensible. That is not to say that benefits shouldn't also be set at livable rates, but I do think the two are different yeah. issues and that... Um, the sort of idea that's been thrown around by some um, some critics from the left today that this is the deserving and the undeserving poor. I mean, I I was I served in opposition mm. when we had a national government that explicitly mm. described people as deserving and undeserving poor that developed a code of social responsibility with Winston Peters and. You know, there is no way those are the kind of values that are sitting behind the government's welfare
0: decisions now. Well, They've so, struggled
4: with this. You know, I str- think we should with the that issue. and yeah. say, why not broaden it?
0: Why not broaden it, Ben? They've struggled with that issue since the Welfare Working Group returned its report 18 months or so ago.
3: Mm. And if you think about the Greens, the other, the support party mm. who have propped up this government as well, you know, their co- their support agreement uh, included in an undertaking that they would overhaul the welfare system. Mm. Um, you know, there's been a $25 increase. Um, there's been, um, you know, some changes to processes to try and make it a bit more user friendly. But... You know, you certainly wouldn't say that there's anything like an overhaul. Um, And I think that, you know, in terms of the optics, you know, it's an unfortunate word, this announcement today kind of highlighted that for Mm -hmm. the government. Um, I think Lila's right. You know, obviously the shock from, you know, your world-changing... Mm. Uh, you know, overnight, essentially, this does give people a bit of time to sort of rein in their costs, you know, most people do have more budget, you know, m- more, more things on their budget, more overheads more uh, when they're in employment, yeah.
0: Okay, hey, thank you so much for your time tonight, really appreciate it. Lala Hari and Ben Thomas. Thanks for your feedback on the interview with new national leader Todd Muller. Shirley Curtis posted, Collins... Jerry Brownlee, Amy Adams, old school, old news, hoped for a new look. And Anne Reddy tweeted, could be some Māori ministers if Winnie, Shane Jones and Ron Mark part of the new National New Zealand First Cabinet. And on Fena Owen's water story, Joseph de Hirtog emailed, why is New Zealand paying for water? Why are Kiwis paying for water? Whereas in China they get it for free. Moana Kiff posted, maybe get rid of the cows, they drink 30 to 70 litres per day, then spend the rest of the day fouling our waterways. We will continue the conversation online. Kua mutu. that is Q&A for this week. Thanks for watching and now Mahiki a koutoui Thanks for your contributions. Thanks to the Q&A team. Hey te rua wiki, we'll be back in a fortnight after the Queen's birthday weekend. Take care. Q&A is made with the support of New Zealand On Air.